Hi, everyone, and welcome to Every Child Can Learn. I'm excited to welcome program Phil Maycomer. Phil, how are you? Oh, I'm doing very well, Neil. I am so excited for this episode to discuss getting to the point in any classroom lesson. And uh, yeah, it should be a great conversation, especially with our guests. Exactly. And our question for today is how can we support classroom teachers with brain-friendly strategies that could be used in any lesson to ensure that all students can succeed? You know, Neil, it is very important to be conversational with our students, to build rapport and strong relationships with them. I acknowledge that. But it's also extremely important to provide students with the key information they need in a very concise manner, right to the point. And this means using a few words to capture the essence of your message. And as I mentioned, getting to the point using a very simple structure, a simple language structure. And we know that the research shows that if we scaffold this type of language into cognitive prompts, that it helps better focus any student's brain. Being vivid, direct, and explicit helps all students succeed. Definitely, totally does. I agree with you. You have to have that. You do have to have that because think about when you're giving directions to start with. If you are not to the point and very direct in stating bullet points to kids, you've lost half the group, right? And so they're dead in the water even before we dive into what our learning intentions are, what the goal of the lesson or the focus of the learning is. And I am so pleased that I am having a return e-guest, so to speak, uh, who had joined us in our previous episode, our speech language pathologist extraordinaire, Devin Philbert. And uh, welcome, Devin. I'd like to tell uh, people a little bit about your background, just to remind them. Yes. Thank you for having me on again, Phil and Neil. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm so excited about our conversation today about discussing truly brain-friendly strategies that you could use in any lesson, whether you're a classroom teacher, a special educator, a guidance counselor in an intensive needs program, or like in your situation, in a therapy setting. So I just want to tell our listeners a little bit about Devin. She serves as an elementary school speech language pathologist, partnering with educators to help them build stronger language skills for students with varying abilities. Now, in working with Devin, I have come to know that Devin firmly believes that vocabulary instruction is a critical step in setting children up for success in the classroom, both academically and socially. She is also a person who supports structured teaching, structured learning, and also scripting so that students could have consistency and predictability in their school day. And her collaborative philosophy across all areas of language really centers around actively engaging students in the learning process. So welcome back, Devin. Thank you, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm excited to talk about this. You've already made quite a few really good key points, so. 
Well, you know, you and I, in our work together, have really discussed setting up consistent language in any instructional setting. Let's use the classroom environment as our first example uh, to provide scaffolded cueing to students of, for example, when to talk and when to listen. This is often invisible in a classroom. And we're going to discuss some brain-friendly strategies that teachers could use so that they can create a set of what I refer to as call to actions that are consistently used across lesson formats. And I know that you then even further personalize some of these things for your students that have language difficulties, right? Yeah, it's very important to be able to, just for example, making sure students know when they're about to learn something really important or there's some key information that a student needs to learn. Um, so just something as simple as getting their attention is right. invaluable. It is invaluable because it's so interesting. We live in a world of multitasking now, right? Um, that you know, you're talking to someone and they look up every now and then away from their phone, focusing yeah. <laughs> on their phone. And but you cannot possibly focus on two things at the same time. The research shows the brain doesn't work that way. And so just like you said, Devin, gaining attention is one of the first entry points. Like, for example, when I mentor and coach classroom teachers, question asking is a part of any classroom environment, right? It's a part of your speech work that you do with kids. It's part of special ed services. And I will tell teachers to wade into the water with question asking. Can I give you an example, Dev, of what I have shared with teachers and then maybe you could even further personalize it? For yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like, for example, when getting ready to throw a question out to the class, what you typically see is the teacher asks the question, what are the three influencing factors of the Revolutionary War or blah, 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 instead of using a brain-friendly script like, I have a question. My question is about blank. Here is my question. That is gaining attention of your students and getting their brain ready to receive information. And also maybe even sometimes reminding them, remember, a when someone asks you a question, that means you will give information. When you, as a student, raise your hand and ask a question, that means you need to get information from me or your other classmates. So again, I have a question. My question is about blank. Here's my question. So what do you think about that? I love that strategy. I mean, I use that even before, because since we've worked together this last year, even before you were um, educating me on using that, I noticed that I do that a lot with my intensive needs population. So for example, if I'm using augmentative communication or AAC and AAC device, and that is like your iPad talker um, that some nonverbal students use, I am telling my kids, cause I'm using my device right alongside them. And I'm saying, all right, I'm gonna ask you a question. And they also get the support, the visual support along with my verbal, but I'm telling them, I'm about to ask you a question. I'm gonna ask you about 
the weather. Ready? Watch me ask you a question. And so as I'm telling them, they're able to anticipate, they're able to look between my device and their device. And it just prepares them for students who do need that extra time to process information. And you know, Devin, you really bring up a good point, especially for students that use visual and auditory Mm -hmm. communication supports to help them communicate because they maybe have a speech delay or are nonverbal, like you said, um, that there's a big component of visual scanning that goes into play of let me look at all of my language and all of my choices while I'm listening to your question, right? Yeah. And so you provide really nice localization for that. And you know, you've heard me say this in my more formal speaking events that the tried and true strategies that we use in specialized instruction actually work with all the kids, just like the example I gave about the question asking strategy. That is very similar to what you're doing with your intensive needs population, but all students benefit from getting their brain in the right place. Especially when, I mean, students may not necessarily pay attention for (laughs) long periods of time, or they're off I mean, we all know what COVID was like last year with the virtual learning Um, and just being able to draw their attention back and make sure they're on board. But then you also figure the students who do have learning disabilities, um, those students need that extra time to get ready to process because chances are they may not be understanding what's happening in the environment. So being able to pull them back in for those key moments is what's really going to help them succeed. Yes. And, you know, with the example of the question asking strategy or script that I just referenced, backing that up with a visual representation of what the question is so students can see it also is a UDL universal design for learning strategy. Here's another one. I mean, one of the things that happens all the time in any instructional setting is giving directions, right? Mm. So for giving directions to the class, a teacher could say, I have a direction. My direction has two parts. Get ready. Part one. And then they say that part of the direction. When the students either complete that or are ready to receive the next part, get ready. Part two of the directions. These types of scripts are invaluable in the classroom. And Devin, how long do they take to do? Oh, not very long at all. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it was kind of like a rhetorical question, right? Yep. Um, And also to kind of piggyback on that, Phil, you know, when you see a student who maybe isn't following the direction, instead of asking, what did I say? Try rephrasing it. It's a very common phrase that we use um, is what did you hear? Because what did I say isn't always what did you hear? Oh, that is such an excellent point. I love that. Could you repeat that again for our listeners? Yes. So instead of saying, what did I say? Ask the student, what did you hear? Yep. Those are two different things, two very different things. Well, I will tell you, this is kind of an aside, just talking about listening and hearing. Mm -hmm. My mom, uh, both my parents have since passed away, but when uh, my mom was alive, she had a very significant hearing loss. And for many (laughs) many years, she refused to wear a hearing aid. And then finally, it got so bad that she was really forced to be aided. 
And when she would talk with me all the time, she was like, it's just amazing how I can just hear things now. And she said, you know, I might not have been able to hear, but your father, he doesn't listen. (laughs) He just doesn't listen. And, you know, whenever I hear the words listen and hear, I just smile affectionately back to that family story. Right. There's a big difference between hearing and then complying and listening. Right. Very big difference. And we're, I mean, also to add, we're not talking about the kids who have medical diagnoses like ADHD or, um, I mean, a whole host of other things, but we're talking about just general teaching strategies. Some of these may not always work for those students um, who are just don't have that quote brain secretary to pull them back in or to help them pay attention. But you know, just being able to direct a question at a student and prepare them for it and then rephrase it. What did you hear? What did they hear? It helps them process it much more efficiently. Devin, you're able to check for understanding much better than by rephrasing. Yes. Neil, exactly. that is so true. And I know that you have done that in the tutoring that you have yes. done previously. And as a teacher, yes. And yeah. as a teacher, right. Yeah. You know, Neil because I know that your work crosses many different domains, I want to share a strategy of using sound bites in education. Now, I know, Neil, that you interview a slew of different people, including celebrities, and that's why this one kind of came to mind for me in this segment. Um, You know, when we think of Nike, we think of the sound bite, just do it, right, Neil? (laughs) And that's their unique sound bite. Well, sound bites are really not used very much in education, and they should be. Why? Because they're to the point and they're concise. Like, for example, I remember a speech language pathologist, Devin, was getting some students ready to give oral presentations in the classroom. And all the kids said the sound bite, stand up, look up, speak up. That was their sound bite to help them remember what they needed to focus on before presenting. And it was just such a lovely way to be concise, but yet set students up for success. Yes. Sometimes less language is more language. Exactly. At least it's more efficient language. You're right. You know, another uh, teacher, when I was supporting a writing lesson, we came up with uh, write review, revise. That was a great soundbite for that lesson. And we kept revisiting it. So in the next part of our lesson, we are, and the students said, write, review, revise. And just the fact that they're saying that out loud is helping them focus and hear what they're supposed to do, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely very important to be able to offer that to students for sure. So I think a nice way for us to wrap this up is to say, why is it important to do? Because we've been saying and emphasizing, this is critical, this is crucial, this is important. I'd like to share before we end, just what the research shows about this. That the research shows that scaffolded cognitive prompts better focus a student's brain. And I'm going to use your term, Devin, a brain secretary. I love that term. (laughs) That's great. 
And, you know, these scripts better prepare a student for what is to come, so to speak. It's like a coming attraction. And also consistent use of lesson scripts, they create a classroom environment of respect and optimum learning. Now, I know that Neil really focuses a lot on relationship building, and he did in his role in education and with his own family and kids. But respect and rapport building are so important in a classroom environment of when should we talk, when should we listen, right? And also these studies show that this type of cueing really improves brain-based functions of which we call executive functioning skills. And that's for prioritizing, like knowing what's important to focus on, what's not important to focus on, your working memory, your impulse control, like you had mentioned, students that maybe struggle with attention issues or regulation issues, especially related to their emotional regulation. But we also know, and through the work of my educational project, The PACT, that structure and routine helps students know what to do and when to do it. And that is the critical piece here, is setting our students up to succeed. Devin, I wanna thank you for being a returnee onto our podcast. I always enjoy talking with you and certainly enjoy working with you on a regular basis. So I'd love to have you back again sometime in the future and uh, uh, we can share more ideas with our listeners. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. It I'd has been fun. It's been yeah. a good conversation. And Neil, thank yes, you for hosting our question. I love the question and, and all the information. I think what's important is as teachers, we need to utilize our, all of our resources are in the classroom, not just, uh, just by reaching out and utilizing whatever resources it's Phil or if it's Devin, uh, it's got, we got to look for any way we can be as successful as a classroom teacher any resources online, this podcast, all of these things are so powerful. And for parents to really look for those resources as well, because it's a challenge now, uh, what we're going through in education. And the best way to do it is to be a team and work that whole team together for the greatest success. Do you agree, Phil? Oh, I wholeheartedly agree, Neil. You know, uh, with mentioning parents, I want to say that I do believe that parents are masters of concise language, especially when they're trying to redirect their children. You know, whether it is the stop right now, stop what you're doing. You know, we really could learn the way that parents will give information to their kids. And I just remember it from you know, growing up with my uh, family that, you know, the more concise my mom got with me, the more I needed to focus and turn it around as opposed to her being very conversational with me. And also her facial expressions always matched the tone of her language. And so that's also very important. And I know that Devin and I have talked about that uh, previously when giving feedback to students that, you know, if they're doing a great job, you need to be in your great uppity voice 
if you're trying to redirect something and quiet the room, your tone needs to match that conversational message. And so it's all very important to set students up for success, but it's all about the team. It truly is all about the team. So again, Phil, thank you. Thank you, Devin. And we just had a great time uh, with Every Child Can Learn. And guys, we'll see you guys next time for another great episode. Make sure you like and share this podcast with all the educators and parents all over the world. So I appreciate everybody. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. All right. That was Every Child Can Learn. Take care, guys.